0: Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: I got to take it easy. I can't scream it out. We got three hours on the way. Some interviews the last couple of days, a few dozen. So getting a little loud down at Radio Row. I'm now down at Treasure Island, our Friday home, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We got uh, Danielle McCartan, our friend from WFAN in New York, helping us out, doing some interviews and grabbing people. She's going to sit in here for a little bit of the first hour, and then she wants to get off to the festivities around Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Damon is back in our Finley uh, Toyota studios. Damon, how are you, buddy?
2: Pass.
1: (laughs) It's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. These things happen. These things happen. Are you really that? What are you, in a bad mood? Come on now. Oh, no. I'm in a great
2: great mood, Steve. I am so fired up for today. Radio Rural (laughs) has been hectic, even from the standpoint of being back in the studio you're dressed up for the occasion i can say that at least
1: i did i, I got a i uh, wanted to kind of represent vegas with some uh, cheesy looking i don't know show host uh d jackets so
2: i like uh, the blue better than the silver actually
1: i like the blue better too i think i have a red one coming but it didn't get here in time the silver uh so daniel mccarton's with us danielle how you doing
3: hey i'm doing good i'm, so, I'm fed I'm, I'm, I'm good
1: there you go what'd you get i love that you come to vegas and then there's only a few places to go in the food court there's like six restaurants and you go right to a New York place. You go to Nathan's <laughs> and get a dog.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, it's one of those things where it's a, uh, you, you, you know, what to expect, kind of things.
1: Yeah, be safe, right? Exactly. Be safe. Uh exactly. You saw the silver jacket yesterday. Yep. I asked everyone. I think you're, you're probably too young to remember. Well, you certainly weren't around when the show was first running. Are you aware of Golden Girls?
3: Um, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard of it. Look at
1: this! Another person stumped by it. All I've right. heard
3: of it, right? That was like, the three wow. old ladies, right?
1: Yeah, it was the old ladies. But I was I was asking people yesterday, I guess it only works for the folks who are as old as me, if I was looking very Vegasy, a you know, maitre d' showman, or did I look like B. Arthur in the Golden Girls or maybe Betty White? So. No,
3: when I first saw you yesterday, and even today, today more so, I think, I thought, man, he looks like he is ready for Radio Row at, in Las Vegas. I did uh, think that. I was Especially ready. today.
1: I will send out a picture later up at Steve Cofield. Someone had the ultimate jacket. Someone did a custom Swifty jacket, and it was, like, shiny and red and sparkly. That I was saw good. that
3: guy. Yeah, I yeah. saw him.
1: That was good, right? It was a good jacket.
3: I liked it, yeah. I took a picture of it, actually.
1: Okay. All right. So we got a uh, – I will say we're going to have a ton of content um, from down at Radio Row, up on the web, a lot of videos. I'll say what I said last year. We talked a lot of football with a lot of cool people. But we had like five different chefs in, and I just I talked food and restaurants, so we'll have some of that, a little more of that today. We're actually going to talk to Barry Odom, the UNLV football head coach, in about 12 minutes, but uh, Danielle's taking the advantage of the fact that uh, there's a lot of stuff going on before our shifts where you could bounce around town and go out to events and use day passes to go cover stuff. I never got a chance because we were doing interviews and doing the shows down at Radio Row over at Mandalay Bay to get out to Lake Las Vegas and see what was going on for player availability with the Chiefs and the Niners. First of all, had you, Daniel, went out there, had you been out to Lake Las Vegas? Because you can kind of rep, and, and most of the local audience knows that about Lake Las Vegas and the ride out there, but you can give us the story of like what, what it's like to get out there, what the set or the scene is like. Uh, clearly, it's not completely shut down because I think someone pulled a hoax and pulled the an alarm. But what was it like out at Lake Las Vegas with the availability with the players?
3: Oh man, it was. Um, yesterday was a complete whirlwind. I feel like it's just. It was great. So, I, I had to hustle th- to get on that shuttle because I thought I was going to be able to drive my rental car up to Lake Las Vegas, and luckily that- I ran into some lady in, in in line for credentials, and she was like, "Oh no, it's completely locked down. You have to get on really? the shuttle." Yeah. And I was like, "I have to. I have to get on the shuttle," and she was like, "Yeah." And then so I started running back to the valet to tell him I have to take the shuttle. It was a whole big thing. And, and I, I ran into these other guys. I, I said, what time does the shuttle leave in the morning? And they were like, 6.30. I looked at my watch, 6.12. I still had to go back out to the valet, run back out. It's just, I made it. And when I finally got there, it was completely awesome. Uh, it's something I've never experienced before. Uh, you go in there, you have a conference with the head coach, automatic, and then they choose a player, one of the players, and then – you go into another room, and they have every single name brand player out there, you know, waiting for you to come talk to them for yeah. both the Chiefs and the 49ers. And I had been out to Lake Las Vegas once. We were trying to figure it out. Was it last summer or the summer before? Uh, my friend Christina, who lives here, who is listening right now, uh, she took me out there, and I loved it out there. Like, I actually went home and started trying to look up, like, you know, condos or something out there because it is beautiful. I, it's a commercial for Lake Las Vegas, I guess, but. It was, it was beautiful. And guess what? All of the hotels was total lockdown. I, I don't think I could have gotten my rent car oh. up there if I, if I tried.
1: <laughs> well, they are now after the, the fire alarm thing because that, that's, that's not embarrassing on us. Again, I will defend Vegas. Um, if some jabroni got in there and pulled the fire alarm on the Niners, that's all in the NFL. Get your crap together. That, that can't happen, and I know it doesn't seem like a big deal. I was standing around or sitting around. Uh, Bischoff and Ed this morning, and they were kind of joking about it that the players were complaining. And, oh, they're gonna—they were gonna get up 15 minutes later, like screw that! You should have optimal standards. No one should be able to do that. That's on the NFL. Get your crap together. And again, don't give us a bad name because you don't have. You basically, we're giving them
2: all these facilities, Damon. and if they're not locked down, not our fault. Yeah, this is totally on the NFL. For anybody to say, oh, Vegas, you know, maybe this is a feather in the cap for a Boomer Esiason. Ah, this yeah. wouldn't have happened in Arizona.
1: Right. Yeah, those, were those the wild times he was thinking of? Like, oh, uh, zany fire alarms being pulled at 6 a.m.
2: Type of stuff that you can't have them near all that debauchery.
3: Well, yeah. you know, from a player perspective, too, like these guys are so – every everyone you talk to, they are so regimented. They are so – you know, eight hours of sleep minimum a night and, and eat this, do that. And, so to, and, and actually, I checked the temperature. That It was 32 degrees. And while that might not sound cold to people, especially New Jersey, New York people, but to be outside, I think it was 1 in the morning, standing out there, interrupted your sleep pattern on the biggest week of your life. I mean, to, a lot of the players that, that were talking at the media availability for the 49ers kind of brushed off and said, no, no, you know, we're athletes and, and you know, we have to figure out a way. It can't affect us. To it, me, it's just that's that's a big thing.
1: Danielle got the full experience of the incels, the sad guys on, because she wisely, when she went out to talk to the Chiefs and the Niners, but especially the Chiefs, had some questions in mind that, oh, my God, God forbid, were not football, right? Maybe a way to carve out a niche and go viral. And, Danielle, you got in front of. Travis Kelsey, and you started singing. Yep. What were you doing?
3: <laughs> um, you know, this goes back to something I did with Eric Decker in a country club in New Jersey, and his wife obviously is a country singer, and I, he was in one of the videos, and that kind of inspired this for, for my idea for me. And I had him complete the lyrics of his wife, Jesse James Decker, and it was, I, it was such a fun segment, okay? I mean, he was into it. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. So I said to myself, the next time a star athlete is dating a singer... I'm going to do the same. It just so happens that it happened to be Travis Kelsey and the biggest global superstar on the planet, Taylor Swift. I have a fan of both of them. Now, I get out there, and I picked that particular one on purpose, that song, Karma, because it's the one where he went to go see her in uh, South America somewhere. She changed the lyrics to to say, uh, you know, guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. It's a song everybody knows. It's on the radio. Okay, so I thought that was a safe pick. So it starts out, I say to him, I say, Travis, this is in the press conference. Travis, I have two questions, two short questions for you. Um, do you want the football one or the fun one first? And he was like, uh, you can hit me with them both. I was like, all right, so I guess I'll take the, the fun one first. I should have done football first, but whatever. So I said, okay, uh, I was wondering if you can help me complete these lyrics. And he's like, all right. And then I said, uh, Karma is the guy on the, and he goes, Chiefs. And then I thought he was going to continue singing it because that it was such an awkward moment. I, I really you, thought he you, was going to uh, continue it. You, you and I tried, tried to get, continuing it for him. It was yeah, just you, embarrassing.
1: You tried. You tried to get too much out of him, and he's like, all right, next question. Yeah. They're but, cranky at the end of the week.
3: I know. I get it. And, but so it, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, some for good, some for bad. I mean, TMZ yeah. was the one that, Steve, you were sitting here when I, when I saw it. TMZ it picked it up. like the fifth up.
1: story today on TMZ as of now, so get that's out. a good hit oh my god that's a real good hit
2: one of my uh, favorite comments is uh start a podcast tomorrow and you could get credentials for next year's super bowl media day it's just so easy guys
1: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, i mean listen on a serious note uh for all you commenters out there you're complete pansies because you actually can get into cover the super bowl if you try um and but but again that person i'm sure hasn't had a taste in years so they're all bitter and it's the anti-female thing no face either uh so yeah so so you comment at home and uh, and danielle who we will unofficially say is part of co and company especially now she can go up on tmz and see how it works out for you so we got a big show on the way we're going to try to track down barry odom here in the next 10 minutes talk about the unlv experience around the super bowl uh, we are hanging out at Treasure Island. This is a great spot for the big game. We're going to tell you about all the parties here. The Golden Circle Sports and Bar is open on Sunday for the game. Just regular restaurant. you got to get here early. First come, first serve, but they're not like, hey, here's a four top. Okay, you got to spend $2,000. they are not doing that. Mr. Ruffin wants people to come in and be able to enjoy a party if they don't want to go to a big party and pay a price and do all you can eat, all you can drink. Not everyone wants to do that. So this is a great spot to watch the game on Sunday. Treasure Island, we're just getting rolling here. Free parking, by the way. Very important. Free parking right now, especially around Las Vegas, uh, as we're hanging out at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar.
0: Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island.
1: Well, this has been a crazy week. These are crazy times. Uh, biggest sporting event in all the world. Well, World Cup's pretty big. Uh, Super Bowl is here in Las Vegas, uh, another moment where like, we have arrived. we talked about it all week. I've been around here almost 30 years and, you know, back in the day when I first got here, Super Bowl, NFL, no way. But um, things have changed and now this is a football city, both college football and NFL. And we wanted to check in with Barry Odom, the UNLV football head coach as he's up with Cofield and DeMond here on this Friday. Coach, how are you?
0: I'm good, guys. I hope y'all are having a great week and uh, thanks for having me on. Are you having a great week? It's been awesome. Yeah, we've had uh, great workouts for with our players. Um, you know, now in the fourth week of what our off-season program uh, looks like in January and into February, and then uh, before we know it, the first weekend in, in March we'll be uh, teeing it up for spring practice, which is crazy to think it's already here. Um, and then hosting the, the 49ers that are – facility this week has um, been you know there's been some challenges with that this was scheduling but but also uh, what a great opportunity for our, for our team to be able to see that and then also for our university and our athletic department to be at the center of uh, the biggest sporting event in football in in the world.
1: Barry Odom head coach at UNLV is up with Cofield and company on this Friday. So I was a little unsure of when they take over the facility. Is it a complete takeover? And you guys you guys are basically your your key cards or whatever you just invalidated? Like, can you be around the building? Do the players actually get exposure to some of the folks yeah, yeah. around the Niners organization?
0: There's been a lot of obviously planning that have, has led up until this week and um, our functioning as a team has, has remained pretty close to the same. The hours oh, wow. are a little bit different as far as having complete access uh, because when, when the 49ers come in uh, they need they need their space and and privacy as well so uh, we worked well together uh, it's been a win I, you know I think the thing that has been a little more opportunistic for our, for our team is all the different events going on in the city this week uh, we've been able to get out uh, quite a bit more in the community through certain activities and Hunky Cooper has, has really led that charge and we've had you know, over 50 players in the community, a lot of different hours put in this week, with with different events going on, and uh, that's been exciting. And I think you can feel, as as you know, Steve, you can feel the buzz in the city of, you know, there's something big about to happen, uh, and I know that it'll even feel that way a little bit more here the next 48 hours.
1: You know, if anyone actually has tickets to the Super Bowl, because it's an impossible get, it would be the mayor of Vegas, Hunky. <laughs>
0: Right. I know there's in, – in, in a strange twist because of the Chiefs and my uh, long time in the state of Missouri, I've had a lot of ticket requests from yeah. people from there. Like I've, like I've just got a stash of them sitting around and just handing out Super Bowl tickets. So, oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. Wow. It's uh, in, interesting on, on how that's going <laughs> to play out.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, we talk about the Niners being at the facility. I saw you post some pictures the other day of some NFL guys in. Chase Daniel was over at the facility I knew you knew, or I know you had some knowledge of Las Vegas and that the Fertitta Football Center was a good drawing card. Has it even gone beyond your expectations? How many people want to come out there, hang out, meet you guys, and just how many NFL folks in general, players, former players, coaches, come through Vegas that maybe you get a chance to meet?
0: Yeah, The volume of, of either people that that I coached you know, on, on the teams that I've been over the last 25 years or just – People in Vegas visiting uh, really has been uh, overwhelming, almost at times, because in in a good way, um, there, there's somebody in town every single week, and if it's not uh, on the weekends, it's throughout the week. Um, I, I said it when we got here that you know there's there's one Vegas in the world. We might as well use it uh, to what it is, and uh, it, it's been a tremendous. Opportunity for our team, uh, not only you know myself and my family, but but for us to showcase UNLB and and what we have going.
2: Well, coach, you mentioned how people were hitting you up about maybe you have the secrets to the tickets. But has anyone gotten even more personal and said, "Hey, can I just stay on the couch and avoid the hotel the hotel fees?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, no? If uh, if I thought I could have gotten away with it, um, we all could have made a lot of money this week <laughs> in uh, places to sleep. No question.
2: Yeah, and I want to go back to the facilities because there was a little scuttlebutt earlier in the week where people were like, oh, they have – the the AFC side has the Raiders facilities and the NFC team has UNLV. But do you think that now people can see that you, UNLV is stacking up with maybe even some Power 5 schools when it comes to the facilities that you guys
0: have? Anybody that is, has seen the Fertitta and, and has been through our building, um, they're, they're quick to note it's one of the best football. Uh, facilities in the country, and I think if you continue to see and think and and discuss those points, you look at some of the comments that the Forty er players said about our facility this week. Uh, it'll stand up against anybody's, and I, I think that now, uh, not only geographically location where we are, but nationally, people are starting to take take notice.
2: All right, go ahead, Steve.
1: Barry Adams with us. Damon Cofield here on. This Friday, uh, you just mentioned, and we've said it several times, the Fertitta Football Center. Well, I mean, you got some tightness with the Fortitas, including the fact that you had a young man on your staff uh, working behind the scenes, working around the players in Nico. Uh, what went into the decision to bump him up and move him into that uh, safety gig?
0: Yeah, when um, we were able to hire Nico, you know, when I first got the job in, a, in the role that we did as, as an analyst on the defensive side, I had met him when I was at Arkansas. He was at LSU uh, as a graduate assistant. We, you know, the the guy that he worked directly there with, Robert Steeples and Matt House, I've known for a number of years. I coached Robert. And uh, so I had a little bit more background on him uh, than than maybe most in, in the coaching world. Looked at what he had done as not only a high school player, but in college, and then the work that he did at LSU. The respect factor that he had in some of the circles recruiting on the work that he had done. Um, And when I got the job, I had a chance to sit down and really uh, have a long, long talk and discussion about his vision for what he wanted and what he was trying to do career-wise within the coaching world, but then also his vision and his passion for UNLV in Las Vegas. And uh, once those things matched up and we thought that, uh, you know, through the interview process and talking to the number of candidates we did, I wanted him in our organization. And then once he's been here in that role, um, he works tirelessly. He is a tremendous student of the game. He's a great communicator and a a tremendous representative of not only our program, but our university. And has done a great job on earning the respect in the building um, because of the way he carries himself and and his work ethic. And uh, I would, would suggest that he'll have a long, long career in coaching and uh, will we'll help us not only defensively but the entire program continue to take the next step to, to put our program on the map.
1: Barry Odom, UNLV head coach. We talked often at press conferences and your coaches' show about the state of college football, and you made the comments that, hey, with the transfer portal, whatever it was, three, four years ago, you were griping about it. Your wife told you, like, hey, you embrace it or, like, it's, not, it's just not going to work the state of college football the last month or so coach it's been really interesting we've seen nfl coaches whether they're head coaches i'm sorry college uh, football coaches decide you know what i'm out and maybe there were great opportunities but maybe it was a little bit of a protest saying i don't like what's going on how important is it to embrace it and can you understand people are like i just don't want to do what it takes now it's a different game
0: i think uh, you know and everybody's got decisions to make on what they think's best for themselves and their family at the time but um, I, I look at, um, uh, it, is it different? Absolutely. Is it, uh, a little more difficult to, to navigate? I think so. Uh, but also perspective and experience has helped me out more than anything. Uh, the look at, you know, if you lose somebody, I don't want to lose anyone in the portal. Uh, say that very clearly, but it's, but it's our charge as a staff and mine as a head coach. If we lose somebody, then you've got to go upgrade. That That's the mindset you have that I have to have. And if I don't, you sit around and you worry about the negative or, you know, we lost a player in the portal. What are we going to do? You, you're losing time on getting somebody that is upgraded at that position. And I thought we had a tremendous signing class with our high school group, 23 players, and then we, we had a great year in – Being able to get and attract transfer high-level players uh, that joined us in January that, you know, again, the the ability to blend the team together, uh, just like we did last year, uh, it's going to be the challenge every year. The roster management piece is maybe one of the things that that head coaches have to spend the most time on as the way that college football has changed today.
1: Tell me if I'm wrong on this. I imagine uh, so much of this is about, organization, foresight, making sure you're not shocked, and having kind of a list at every position. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jade Mayava decides a little later in the process, all right, I'm moving on. Do you guys have – it's probably spreadsheets, but do you, have, do you have a list that you're putting together and you're like, okay, just in case something happens, like here's nine quarterbacks that we like, we're going to rank them, and if something happens, then we start moving on that list and moving on down a, the
0: list. Yeah, on a very – um, you know, not not to minimize the just your exact comments there, but that that is exactly how in in our recruiting structure of our organization, and that that's high schools, that's high school prospects, that's junior college, that's guys that are in the portal. Uh, we rank by every position on uh, you know from one to whatever the end number is on how many we're recruiting in each position. Uh, because it's ever obviously changing and uh, you've got to recruit a a wide cast the net very very wide to end up finding the right fit somebody that you can win a championship with and then having the ability to make connections to be able to recruit them but it's I mean those lists are you know we're heavy into the 2025 class now but our our lists go now up through as much as we can the 2027 class and and you're going to you know th- those things are changing. It's a it's a living document on on what that looks like every single day.
1: Do you have to wait until the next uh, opening for the portal? What it's May first to fifteenth. Even comment on the guys who have committed to you out of the portal. We have to wait that long?
0: No, the guys that have started school here okay. now. You know we've we've we had a number of mid year enrollees. They're in school, uh, been working out with their team, and and um, you know excited about what they can bring to our program. Uh, really right. at every position that we had somebody come in.
1: I'll tiptoe on this one. You can just greet us with silence. But I think I saw Haj Malik Williams out at a Rebel game. And, man, he was gunning T-shirts at people. What an arm.
0: <laughs> what an arm. If, uh, he, uh, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> I was watching him at that game, and he was throwing some right-handed, some left-handed. He's a talented dude. Oh,
1: is that right? <laughs> uh, you've had good success, again, with connections. Um why do you like, I mean, it's familiarity, I assume, but why do you like like so many of the Arkansas guys in, in terms of bringing them into the program? And Jackson Wooder worked out wonderfully. Uh, why is that a big favor of yours?
0: Well, I think just the familiar background that I've had from you know recruiting those guys in high school to having the chance to develop them for three years, the connection and the relationship piece is really important. Um, I think there's uh, you know, a very high trust factor in what they have in, Not only me, but Coach Shear on that side of the ball. And um, they understand that they're going to be coached at a really high level here. They have understand that they're going to be on the national stage and have a chance to compete for a championship. And, you know, those qualities and the things that they are looking for, we can check every box. So we're excited about the additions that we've had from guys that we knew before. And, um, you know, that I think – over time, the, the relationship piece uh, will always win out, and that's why I think it's so important that everybody that you come in touch with in your program, um, you do everything you can to be a positive influence in their life, and, and whether they come and play for you or not, that, that, that doesn't really, you know, that, that's not the deciding factor, but you want to leave wherever you were. You want to leave it better than, than when you got there. You've got a, a job to do to mentor and lead young men. And if you do that and you do it the right way on openness and honesty, then you know for us it's worked out that we've had guys that want to come play for us.
1: Last two questions, last two minutes, because I know you're busy. We'll let you run here. Um, I did want to mention, and certainly I want you to elaborate on it, uh, junior day a couple of weekends ago, the FFC seemed like it was really packed. I had heard the numbers of people coming in, kids coming in, juniors and others, was like north of 200. How big was that junior day, and how big are events like that for building the roster?
0: Yeah, tremendous for us to be able to get the volume of people that we are able to to attract on campus, to see the university, the campus tour, to see our facilities, and then spend time with our coaches. Really, the intimate level of being able to spend four hours with a prospect, you get to find out a lot about them, and, and if you're lucky enough to have you know, a family member travel with them, and then they get to know us, and they've got a, a deeper understanding of, of what it looks like through the lens of being a, a prospective student-athlete in our program. Um, we had, I, I believe, we had 153 kids there. All right. Uh, you know, and some of them had one guest, some of them had two or three, so the, the numbers grew huh. uh, dramatically when you look at entire number of people there. And then I think that's so important for us because once we start and the, the calendar opens back up to have prospects on campus, we'll be in spring practice. And you know, last year we had over 1,500 kids come through spring practice, and I would, would suggest we'll probably double that this year. And I think really? that's so important with just uh, – I want people to see our program. I want recruits to see how we coach and teach, and I think that's such a huge part of our evaluation system on being able to be around – those kids and get to really know them do they like ball what do they like about it is our place a fit for them uh, and then I I want people to see our staff coaching and teaching I want to see her I want our, our team to be in a position that they are being watched every single day uh, on the way that they go perform and I think we've got a, a great thing just getting started here and just we're going to continue to build it in that fashion.
1: On the big game on Sunday, can you pick against the Chiefs? Or there's too many home tie-ins. But for all I know, you might know a bunch of players, coaches on the Niners.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's I've got enough uh, affiliation on both sides. With you know, there's two players uh, on the 49ers from uh, University of Arkansas, Andre Greenlaw, and um, you know the backup quarterback Allen. The tremendous, both young men are you know grown men now, great players. there's a couple of coaches on that side that i uh, crossed paths with. And then uh, one of the assistant operations guys, Max Molds, was on my staff at Missouri. And then you go to the, the <laughs> chief side <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. special teams coordinator Dave Tobe, uh, his assistant Andy Hill, we, we've known each other for 30 years. Andy Reed was an assistant at Missouri. He and I have got a connected past. And then Nick Bolton, the linebacker, was a guy I recruited That's and right. coached. Blaine Gabbert, backup quarterback. And then, uh, Ty Gillespie was another guy that we coached and recruited. And he was on the practice squad, uh, for the Chiefs. So, it, you know, it, I hope it's a great game. Um, you know, selfishly, I'm a, a huge Nick Bolton fan because of how we recruited him and the way he, uh, he played for us. And you know, I hope he goes and wins the, the MVP.
1: March 2nd, we start spring football.
0: We'll get rolling. We're going to go to the second and third uh, practice, one and two, and then we'll get two more in that next week before we get away for spring break, and then we'll come back finish up with the spring game on April the sixth.
1: Thanks, coach. I appreciate the time. We'll see you soon. Okay.
0: All right, fellas. Take care.
1: There he is Barry Odom, the head coach of UNLV football. We'll get back to radio row. We got a ton of good conversations, but really good conversation there with the Rebels
0: coach. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Yep,
1: I'm here at TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You heard it. And uh, Daniel McCarton helping us out today from WFAN, sitting at Radio Row. I know it's your first Radio Row. It was JBT's first Radio Row. And by the way, we'll hear from John Von Tobel later in the show. Damon as well. He's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Danielle, I know you've had, you're very heavy on the, uh, the Giants and Jets. So, uh, earlier today, and we'll play the bite later, you had a chance to uh, talk to Kayvon Thibodeau, who actually is a California guy. I like Thibodeau because I feel like he's not... Anti-football is not the right word. Uh, Talking to people, he's extremely brilliant. So, he's kind of one of those non-traditional football players in terms of he may not be along the lines of, like, yes, sir, whatever you need, he will push back. Talking to him real briefly, and then how he's done with the Giants so far. What's your impression of Thibodeau? Uh,
3: um, good. I, th- I think good. He'll be fine. Um, I know on my radio station, they, they talked about him, that he kind of like jumps on the, p- the, the criticism was he jumps on the pile and gets the credit for the sack. But
4: oh, yeah, he okay. went out
3: and, and after that <laughs> criticism, he, he went out and had like a five sack game or something crazy like that. But um, listen, he was a high, high draft pick. You're expected to perform right away. Um, it's just that, they don't always line him up on the defensive line they sometimes he's a linebacker sometimes and so you know maybe the, the stats aren't there but the guys are forced on the defensive line so you know I, I talked to him here just briefly I just want to kind of get his perspective on, on having a Super Bowl in Vegas for the first time like this is historic everybody okay so he was like yeah yeah it's out, out. he said it's not far from where I am from I am and of course I didn't know he's from California and yeah he was just saying like it's really cool to, uh, to, to have this here and, and this experience, and, and, he, and he liked it. He, he would vote for it again, and so would I. This is awesome.
1: This is, I'm telling you, I've been to a lot of these, the Radio Row set up, and this, the enormity of the event itself and the fact, mom that everything is squeezed. Like, I, like we know it was going to be like that, but just to see all the events and you're, like, in a four-mile stretch, everything is right there. Because I'm telling you, like, you were in Phoenix last year. Did you guys wind up going to Scottsdale? Because I never got out there.
2: Never went to Scottsdale. That was Adam was hitting the town up. It was one night after the media party. Yep. I was like, "We're out," but it was literally just at the hotel. It was at a hotel bar. That was the we're painting the town yeah. <laughs> at the hotel bar.
1: I mean, in in some places, that's the best you can do because it's so spread out. This is, uh, I think, every day this week as it's moving along. I'm like, all right, once every five years in Vegas. I think today I was ready for okay, every other year, every other year. Everyone else can wait. Yeah, you get it every ten years. We get it every other year.
3: I mean, I would sign up for
1: it. Right? And you can you can tell there are more players here. Uh, there are more luminaries around the NFL here because people want to come to Vegas. It's just they're going crazy over the whole freaking thing. All right, on the way back, we're going to bring in our football insider, uh, voice of the Rebels, Caleb Herring. Um, we did the Rebel talk with Barry Odom. That was awesome. But Caleb is going to be in, break down the Super Bowl, break down a couple of stories, big stories, uh, again, including something I asked Barry Odom about, and that is, more and more people move in between the NFL, uh, back and forth to college football. It's kind of crazy right now. We used to think, hey, you're exclusively an NFL coach or a college football coach. Not anymore.
0: Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield & Company
1: bring in Caleb on this uh, Super Bowl week and start breaking down the game. Caleb, tell me, because breaking down the game, I think the two biggest battles are KC defensive backs against San Fran wide receivers and the KC offensive line uh, versus that San Fran
4: defensive line. What do you think? For anybody looking at it, you'd say that that would be the toughest one. The second one would be the uh, wide receivers versus the corners. The wide receivers for the 49ers have to win. Um, They can't allow the Chiefs to dial up pressure and, and, hold tight in one-on-one cover. So anytime they have an opportunity, the, the wideouts have to make it easy. Uh, for Brock Purdy, who's been solid, he's been great. Game changer, might I say. But no, he's he's been great, but it would help if the receivers were open, obviously. Um, so that doesn't even become a problem. Uh, with what the Niners want to do, I think the offensive line dominating in the trenches is the, the first option. I think that's the first thing they'd want to do is establish the run game, establish Christian McCaffrey as a threat. Um, on the ground that would help Brock Purdy uh, immensely it would help the receivers so uh, I always say offensively it starts with the guys up front whether it's pass protection or offensive line dominating in the run game uh, you need the big boys up front so I'd say I'd I'd assess that as the most important matchup the offensive line of the Niners versus the defensive line of the Chiefs Um, but then after that I would be watching the matchup and how the Niners choose to attack the Travis Kelsey problem um, do they match him up with linebackers? Uh, or do they trust Warner, uh, for instance, to cover him in certain situations? Or are their safeties going to be enough? Or do they take one of their elite cornerbacks and match him up and, and get a, a kind of dude coverage where it's like, wherever Kelsey goes, you're going to be on him. So at least we take the threat of Kelsey away from Patrick Mahomes. Because if when we look at the playoffs that Travis Kelsey's put together in hindsight, it's one of the most dominant playoff series that he's ever put together, that we've ever seen, really. He's one of the best... Receivers, a tight end or wide receiver that the postseason has ever seen in the NFL. And maybe one day we'll appreciate it next to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, but somebody's got to stop Travis Kelsey. So, how big of a priority does that matchup become for the Niners? Do they play their normal system or do they adjust and put one, like I said, their lockdown corners on them and say, we're going to take it away from him?
1: Caleb Henry's with us, former UNLV quarterback, one of our NFL insiders. He's up with us here on Cofield and the Company on a Friday. We're at Radio Row. Uh, have you seen some of the side stories here? Um, the latest one with the Niners. Niners are getting screwed. The man wants to take them out. Uh, fire alarm goes off out of Lake Las Vegas at their hotel. A couple of the players were like, I don't think that was a mistake. I think I think that was done on purpose. It was at 6 a.m. They had to stand outside for 18 minutes. How big a distraction is that? Because I don't want to just laugh it off. You know, if your routine is thrown off a little bit. I think they had meetings at 8 o'clock. What do you think?
4: Um, I think it's a as big a distraction as they make it. I think what that kind of thing does is open up the your ability to get distracted by it. And you know, things like uh, complaining about it to the media or letting it bother you or throw it off your routine, yeah, it could be a big problem. You could you could NFL players and really any major athlete has routine. So uh, being woken up a little bit early, startled that 18 minutes could have been detrimental. That was 10 minutes of meditation or yoga or whatever that they were supposed to be getting before those meetings. So. Yeah, there's potential for distraction. Uh, I think if you've made it to this point in your career, if you're getting ready for the Super Bowl, uh, I think your fortitude as an individual and your mental fortitude as a team should be able to overcome that 18 minute fire alarm. Right. I will say, though, uh, among the things that have become distractions for the Niners or for this game in general, I think the Niners have gotten the short end of the stick. I, I haven't heard much. Complaining coming from the Chiefs or from anybody around the Chiefs, or any stories being reported that the Chiefs are upset about anything, uh, they're kind of enjoying this. And that's kind of uncomfortable to think about when you think about the Niners having a second year quarterback being their leader versus the veteran leadership of Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the other side. Any little distraction could be magnified. And that's what you hope if you're Shanahan and the staff that, yes, that was unfortunate to be woken up at six o'clock and stand outside for 18 minutes because of an alarm. But get over it. Don't make it a bigger distraction than it needs to be. I think the grass was probably a bigger distraction um, because that did have some play implications. But uh, at the end of the day, you're practicing at one of the top facilities in the West Coast as far as colleges go. Right. And I can't think of another situation in the Super Bowl where there were two practice facilities of equal or close to be equal stature. Like Where did they practice for the Super Bowl uh when you know the super bowl was in like uh, kansas city or in tampa bay what was the field like what was the conditions for the teams to practice i would say UNLV uh was would suffice for anybody who's getting oh, ready yeah. for a game for just a week
1: yeah they, they were i think they were raving about the facility itself i know mike ramallah had comments from four different players so they've had no problem with that it was just the the plan by the nfl was stupid i mean the artificial turf that got put in brand new turf beautiful turf by UNLV and uh but August and September, they finished up in the middle of September, and then you're going to lay grass on it a week out, and then it rains. Yeah. Uh, you got no shot, absolutely no shot. A couple of points around the league before we hit a couple of props. Caleb Herring's with us. All right, now time to make money. Let's do it. Caleb Herring's with us, <laughs> Cofield and Company. Uh, the Swifties, or at least maybe their parents, are coming into town, betting heavily on Travis Kelsey props. How big a game do you think he's going to have? The uh, receiving yard number. Has gone from 69.5 to 73. The anytime time touchdown is actually holding steady at minus 120. MVP was 20 to 1 at the beginning of the week. Now you're looking at around 11 or 12 to 1. So are the Swifties taking any value out of these numbers? Or do you think Kelsey's going to have a monster game and go for 10 catches, 150, and two touchdowns?
4: I, I personally think if the Niners are as intelligent defensively as I think they are, I think Travis Kelsey has his worst game of the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Uh, That's not to say that it's a bad thing. I think their focus is going to be Travis Kelsey. I think they're going to want to make one of the other guys beat you. Obviously, the the other guy made one of the biggest catches of the season on fourth down. He dropped so many all season long, but uh, the nail in the coffin was a catch that wasn't from Travis Kelsey. But if Travis Kelsey goes over on any of those props, the Chiefs win. Um, And I think Travis Kelsey, if they win, he's the MVP. He has to be the MVP of this game, which is too storybook for me not to ignore conspiracy theories about Taylor Swift's impact on the NFL, right? If Travis Kelsey has the MVP caliber game and wins the Super Bowl MVP, could you imagine how insufferable Swifties will be across the nation? It will be unbearable. But uh, my gut says that he will not have a good game. And I think it will still be a great game. Um, I think this is a pick him as far as the outcome of the game, but I think if he doesn't, Patrick Mahomes puts on a clinic. And if in your mind he's not already the GOAT, he establishes himself as the GOAT and wins despite Travis Kelsey not having a great game.
1: Kelsey is 14-1 to 1 now. That's the latest update. That's from Circus Sports down at Circa Las Vegas. All right, the most important props of all, of course, are with the halftime show. Usher. <laughs> Usher. All right, first song performed, the favorite, yeah, plus 225 my way plus 225 do you have a song that he that you like that he may start out with and do do you start out with a collaboration or you come out and you're going to do your thing by yourself at
4: the start i was going to say i say you don't start with a collaboration you have to go to one of your own solo bangers to get the crowd on your side first i think right. yeah is a great song it's a it's a party starter it's it's been played in vegas so many times like it's a at every club you've gone to over the last decade you've heard that song at some point on these dj's mixes um so but it's a collaboration it's a massive collaboration with with uh lil john and Ludacris. like so it's like you can't start off with that kind of collaboration if you want to really submit yourself as one of the great all-time halftime performances now i will say usher's a fantastic performance so i'm excited for what he will have up his sleeve um If I look back through his catalog, I I'm hard pressed to find one that separates itself though, as the opener for, yeah, like that one is a party starter. Like you get everybody energized with that song. um, And maybe if you start off with a collaboration, you get it out of the way and then you just dive into your own stuff. Maybe that's the case. But I, as far as halftime performances go, I think right now the crown belongs to, ah, this is me. This is subjective. And maybe it's, it's tainted because I just saw Bruno Mars live. Uh, again at uh at uh, park mgm but bruno mars's halftime performances was one of the greatest of all time oh wow and prince in my opinion for the sheer magnitude of who prince was and that the nfl got him to do it um and the the rain as he sings purple rain you can't really capture that (laughs) moment so there's Uh, some tough competition as far as halftime performances go i think usher will turn out to be one of my favorites and we'll see hopefully he comes through He's got the yeah, piece for, of the city in Vegas right now, so he better come through.
1: I know. Uh, for me, Prince is the greatest ever because time and place. Uh, first of all, the NFL was very buttoned up, so he comes out with a, uh, a phallic-looking guitar. That was tremendous. And then think about it. How many football players have you been around, Caleb, where they're like, I will go out on that field, and to win, I am willing to die. <laughs> He's sitting there with a, an electric guitar in the rain.
4: <laughs> what, in if the rain. what if the What if that was it? In the rain. And there's nothing... There's nothing more iconic than the ooze from the crowd. Like when he could just hit the guitar and let everybody else sing. There's not a person watching. I have a nine-year-old son. I I have younger siblings who have no idea who Prince really was or his impact on the pop culture uh, back in his prime. But everybody who was watching that Super Bowl understood what Purple Rain meant and what that moment when he was singing the ooze and everybody was singing along with him. It was it was magic. You get chills just thinking about it. that. That moment was like one of the most iconic moments in Super Bowl before. Dare I say, music entertainment history? Like, the, like Purple Rain with Prince in the rain in his hometown at halftime of the Super Bowl. That it's magic.
1: You doing a party? Where are you going to watch a game?
4: I'm actually headed out to California, which is oh, nice. I, before everybody says. That, I know this is the thought because I've had this thought. The Super Bowl is finally in the city that I live in, and I'm leaving to go somewhere else to watch it uh that, shame on me right shame on me yeah. but um it, it's one of those things where i'd rather my sister's birthday is this weekend i'm going to spend time with her and she's turning 30 it's a big deal um and then being around my family i had the best football trash talk with my family <laughs> so i'm actually the most excited to spend this time with them and and, and yell and scream at the television together neither none, nobody in my family has a dog in this race so we're not there's no chiefs fan there's no niners fans um, the Eagles are predominantly the Fanship of my siblings so it's like Ha I laugh at them um, Because the Packers and the Eagles are both home The Packers are my team by the way um, But the fact that we get to just Enjoy what we anticipate will be a good Football game together and uh, and have that Kind of family banter over it is, is what I'm Looking forward to so I'll be I'll be back home in California
1: Great spot enjoy the trip have fun During the game we'll uh, break it down next week Alright guys take care
4: There he is Caleb Herring up on Cofield
1: and Company are. NFL insider coming up, 4 o'clock hour, uh, Austin Corbett, NFL player who went to Nevada and uh, might get a little New Jersey-ish, as we're going to bring in Buddy V, the cake boss, and, of course, has uh, Buddy V's over at the Venetian. That's coming up in a few